Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. Neil Humphrey in the studio with us. Neil, we've got a murder mystery today. Yes. Tell us about where we where are we going today? Are we staying this side of the uh, this side of the world or going somewhere else? We're going to my old neighborhood, Uh-oh. East London. Stomping grounds. And this is one of my wrong word favorites. <laughs> something and it's many Singaporeans' favorites because it's my annual Jack the Ripper oh, review. There's something new about Jack the Ripper. I there can't is. Believe there it. always is. There always is. In fact, there is so much new about Jack the Ripper that you literally have to mine really? the conspiracy theories from the credible theories to come up with something fresh. Yes, the reason it's always this time of the year, it's a very macabre anniversary, but it's the 130th anniversary this very month of the killing spree. Um, basically, oh. there were 11 murders in Whitechapel, East London, literally where I grew up, mm. near where I grew up, in the two-month period in 1888. But it was really from late August to the end of September. So we're right in the middle of the spree, if you like. But they have the, the Whitechapel canonical five, the canon, where five murders, they all agree, are too similar in style, in execution. They were one man. Other murders, they're not sure. Because don't forget, there were murders in Whitechapel every single day in that period. So there were literally so many murders that they've tried to attribute to Jack the Ripper. Mm. But everyone agrees on these five. Some say six, some say seven. But these five, uh, Mary Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, Mary Kelly, the more famous name, all happened roughly in the period we are now, in September, 130 years ago. Hmm. Why I'm bringing it up now is because despite it being 130 years, there has been another breakthrough. Uh, A minor one, but uh, two guys, one from the University of Leeds and one from Liverpool University, have analysed the silk shawl, the famous silk shawl that was alleged, most ripperologists, as they're called, (laughs) except that it was the shawl of one of the victims, Catherine Eddowes, that was found near the scene. Now, they have done DNA testing uh, in the last month or so, following up from the DNA testing that was done five years ago, Mm. to show two things. They have found uh, various, sad to say, blood and other bodily fluids, and they have compared those bodily fluids to the direct descendants of Catherine Eddowes, the victim, and, this is the fascinating part, the direct descendants of one of the most prominent Ripper suspects. Now, here's a guy called Aaron Kosminski. The reason I'm interested in this story, Glenn, is because he was my Ripper suspect when I was a teenager and was obsessed with Jack the Ripper. So you've been following him for a long time. So I'm just basically saying that the DNA has proved me right. And basically, who's Aaron Kosminski? Even Jack the Ripper comes back to you, Neil. It's amazing. You can bring every topic back to yourself. Even I solved Jack the Ripper. Raffles, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I solved it. I can't wait to see how you bring Farquhar back to you as well. I solved it. I solved Jack the Ripper when I was a teenager. Decades ago. Yeah. And basically, this is a fascinating story. Aaron Kosminski was a Polish Jew who emigrated from Poland to England in the 1880s, right? Now, remember, Jack the Ripper murders, 1888. He was a hairdresser in Whitechapel, where all five murders took place in 1888. He was around that scene. He'd also worked as a butcher, I believe. So he's got experience of that. Now, everybody knows Jack the Ripper, Mm. 
took out various organs. He had a knowledge of butchery. This guy works with scissors and knives for a living as yeah. a hairdresser, and he had some skills in butchery. Where's the connection? <laughs> wait, come? wait a minute. A hairdresser butcher? Yeah. Well, that he killed them, and he left their hair beautiful. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. So he grew up. He grew up. He lived in an impoverished slum. Right in the heart where these murders took place, okay? Now, you say, well, hang on a minute. He didn't die straight after, and he wasn't arrested. So what happened? Well, in 1890, he was in a workhouse, and his mental illness, which he suffered from, deteriorated. 1891, just 18 months after the murder stopped, he was essentially arrested and committed to what they called then a lunatic asylum. Mm. He spent the rest of his days in a lunatic asylum. What did he suffer from? Well... Hallucinations, paranoia, violence, aggression, so on and so on. Mm. So he had the mental attributes, he had the physical skills, and he basically was incarcerated for the rest of his life. He died in 1919 after the murder stopped. He was in Whitechapel Mm. throughout the murders as a hairdresser with skills in butchery, (laughs) right? So he could kill them and give them a nice haircut. The murders stop. Not long before he gets committed to a lunatic asylum and spends the rest of his life there, dies in 1919. And no more murders after. No more murders after. At that time, he wasn't really mentioned, but uh, only subsequently when they did research, they realized that his name pops up uh, prominently on many of the officers in the case at that time. Mm -hmm. The case was left by famously Inspector Abilene, played brilliantly by Michael Caine in the TV movie. Um, His name does prop up. Hmm. So I always thought it was Aaron Kosminski because he's there at a time, he lives in poverty, he's walking distance from all of the murders, he has a mental illness, and he goes to a a lunatic asylum just after the murders stop. So there's a neat chronology to it. Yeah. And then they find, not they find, they do DNA research uh, studies on the shore, on the actual shore Hmm. of one of the victims, Catherine Eddowes. And they have found in the research just recently released that there is some possibility that the DNA evidence on that shore has traces that connect to both the descendants of the victim, Catherine Eddowes, and descendants of the murder suspect himself, Aaron Kosminski. It doesn't say that it was him, but it does suggest that, who knows, there's, a, there's, a, there's some DNA evidence there. So, what I predicted as a teenager... And you predicted it. So wow. There you go. They call it mitochondrial DNA. Uh, right. But they also say, and I must qualify in the interest of objectivity, <laughs> my favourite word... <laughs> That this could also be DNA linked to many, many other people as well. So, you know, and this is 1888. So this is the yeah. day before gloves. Yeah. I have to qualify. Think how many hundreds of people probably touched that shawl. But right. that aside, I was right. All right. Our murder <laughs> mystery today. So today I've solved the Jack the Ripper murders. Neil Humphreys right here on Money FM has solved the Jack the Ripper murders. Thank you so much, Neil. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what's next week. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.